the Lord that we feel. We serve an awesome God. Amen. We serve an awesome God. Hallelujah. I tell you what, if we really think about how awesome He is, we, we, we could be here for a long time if we begin to talk about the attributes of God and how great He is and how awesome He is. Amen. To think that this God, this perfect, perfect individual, you know, God came, robed Himself in flesh and walked among us and He was perfect. And, and I'm telling you, the, the, the awesomeness of His perfection is unbelievable to me. To live over 30 years and never sin. Hey man, some of us are going good to go 30 hours. Maybe 30 minutes, hopefully not. But I want to tell you something, to go 30 years and never sin. Hey man, if you never get beyond that, that's absolutely incredible. And the whole reason, of course, is God cannot sin. He is perfect. And He came to be that perfect, that perfect spotless lamb that sacrifice that blood amen that would cover our sins because he knew that we could not be perfect we knew that we couldn't live without sin and there was required a blood sacrifice and so he came and he dwelt here and was tempted in all ways like as we were yet without sin amen he was perfect and it blows me away when you read about, and I, don't, and I'm, I, might, I might mention this while I'm preaching tonight, but just thinking about it right now, but that woman with the issue of blood that came in an unclean state according to the law, she was unclean. But her uncleanness could not touch his perfection. That's just too simple, I guess. But her uncleanness, by law, anything and everybody she touched became unclean. But she reached out and touched the hem of his garment. I'm telling you, his virtue flowed into her, and her uncleanness went away when she touched his perfection. And I'm going to tell you something, God hasn't changed one bit. We can come in an unclean state and reach out and touch the hem of the master's garment. And that perfection and that virtue can flow in us. And what's been unclean can become clean. And what's been full of sin becomes clean and white as snow. Hallelujah. Our God is awesome. Our God is awesome. Praise God. Praise God. If you turn me in your Bible tonight, the book of Philippians, chapter number three, I'm going to do something that I don't think I've ever done before. I'm going to continue on in the same vein as what I preached Sunday night. Amen. I only got through page one of four. But I'm going to, I went in there with some other thoughts this I'll tell you, it's been just burning in me still. So we went and sat down today, and, and uh, it's a little different, but it's along the same lines. Amen. I hope that's all right. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 4 says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. 
and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, or they were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Sunday night I preached about it's time to go forward. Tonight I want to preach pressing forward. Pressing forward. Hell, lift your hands, ask God to have his way in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, you're wonderful, Jesus. You're wonderful, Jesus. You're wonderful, Jesus. You're wonderful, Jesus. God, have your way in this house tonight. Lord, I need your touch. Need your help, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your hands and give him praise in this place. Oh, you're wonderful, Jesus. You're wonderful, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And you may... Be seated in Jesus' name. Amen. Sunday night we talked about, amen, the children of Israel trapped by the Red Sea. And God, he, he issued a war, He issued a commandment through his man. And he told him one thing, and that was to go forward. And then, and then God caused the sea to open up. And they crossed across on dry land. And all they had to do was go through a way that was wide open that God had prepared for them. But I want to tell you something that's not always that easy. Because sometimes there's some things uh, that pop up in life uh, and there's some struggles and there's some battles uh, and it's not just that easy highway through the midst of the sea. But I came to tell you tonight uh, that even if all opposition is against you, uh, that you still have to press. Uh, you've got to press forward. Uh, you've got to fight. Uh, you've got to struggle. Uh, but we still got to go forward. Uh, we still have to push on uh, and press on. Hallelujah. There's sometimes we come in the house of God for service and, and things are easy and we just worship. And I'm telling you, the power of God is there from the first moment to the last. But then there's other times that we walk in and there's something different. There's some opposition. There's things going on and there's circumstances. But I'm telling you, it's not the time to sit down and wait for that easy service. But it's time to get up and do everything we can to press and to push our way in and to press our way into the power of God into the presence of God yeah. 
I may use it too many times, but I'm telling you, there's often times I get up there, it's time to push a little harder because God's got something for us, but we're not there yet. We got to press. We got to push. It takes effort. It takes strength. It takes energy, but the blessing's there, but we got to press our way in. Hallelujah. 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 Read here where Paul was writing to the Philippians. And he talked about his pedigree, if you would. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews. As touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness of it is in the law, I was blameless. Another place, I believe he called himself a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a very, if you would, religious man. He, was, he had attained way up high in the hierarchy of life. He was in a place of leadership. He was in a place of respect and a place of honor. He had zeal concerning what he thought was truth. Well, concerning the law and fighting. And when this new sect rose up, a man that was in opposition to what he felt was right, with zeal, he went and persecuted them. Wreaked havoc amongst the church. Amen. He didn't do it half-heartedly, but he did it with everything that he had. I'm telling you, there was, this was a man that was from the time of birth or the time of young age somewhere very committed to the work of God. We understand that at this one point in time, he was working against what God was doing. But I want to tell you, God showed up one day and said, Hey, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And Saul lying there, that bright light, he's on his way to Damascus. He, in his zeal, is spreading the persecution. And that light shone down, knocked him to his knees. And he said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Saul says, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And he said him to a man that was prepared. Because God had gone to that man. said, I want you to go and pray for one Saul. And that night. Lest you forget, this is the one that's persecuting us. Just in case you forgot who you want me to go pray for, God, this is a man that's wreaked havoc amongst the church. Y'all just ride with me for a minute. I'm going somewhere. But Ananias said, hey, I want you to go and tell him he is a chosen vessel unto me and tell him what things he must enjoy for the kingdom of God. I will say what things he must suffer, endure. Huh? So Ananias walks in there. And I, I love the transformation in him. Because we did not want to go. But when he walked in the door, he said, Brother Saul. I love that. Brother Saul. And he laid hands on him. And the scales fell off his eyes. <laughs> 
and Saul was converted. And everything that he had gone through in life to that point, uh, Saul said, you know what? I'm going to bundle that up and I'm going to throw it away. Amen. I'm going to count it as dung. It's nothing to me anymore because I was going the wrong direction. But now I've got to go the right way. And I've got to press my way back through. I've got to push my way through. He had... Here he was. Can you imagine the first time he showed up to church? You may say it if you want. He walks in and sits down. And as he come in the place to worship, however they did it. And folks are looking at him saying, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. I wouldn't even be surprised. We don't have no record of it. I'm just using my imagination, which can get carried wild at times. But I can imagine some of them said, I just remembered something else I got to do. Some of the more weak and afraid. And, and uh, they were like, whoa, whoa, I know this guy. I've always imagined in my mind. And, and again, it's my imagination. But I wonder... Some little guy walked up to him. Said, hey, Saul. Why'd you have my daddy taken? Oh, it's quiet. But Saul was consenting to their death. He held the coats when they stoned Stephen. He was consenting unto his death. He had him imprisoned. He had him, no doubt, killed, beaten. And now he's one of them. We call that the past. But Paul, Saul, who became Paul, he said, there's one thing I do. Forgetting the things that are behind me. Forgetting the things that are behind I'm forgetting all those things that are behind me. And I've got my eye fixed on a prize. And I'm going to press until I get there. You say, well, what did he have to press through? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. He said, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils by mine own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils amongst false brethren. In weariness and painfulness. In watchings often. In hunger and thirst. In fastings often. In cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without. That which cometh upon me daily. The care of all the churches. 
But still, he pressed. Don't go to sleep on me tonight, folks, please. One of those times that he was shipwrecked, and this story's familiar to you, I understand. But they were there on the shore. He had told them not to go, not to leave, and they did it anyways. And so they went against a contrary wind, blew them way off their route. And they, I'm telling you, they fought storms. They threw, their, threw a bunch of stuff over, threw their cargo over, lightening the load, trying to make it through the storm. And they couldn't get anywhere, and so a bunch of the sailors were going to abandon ship. And, and uh, Paul steps said, man, except these abide in the ship, shall all likewise perish. So they cut loose the lifeboats, and they're all there in this ship. And they committed it unto the sea. And it hit in those big waves, and those waves beat on that ship and broke it in pieces. And the Bible said that those that could swim swam to the shore, and the others on broken pieces of that ship floated to shore. And so they get there, and they're all wet and cold. And so they decide to build a fire to warm themselves up. And uh, Paul goes out and does his duty. He picks up a bunch of sticks. And when he walks up to the fire, he must have been like me and wanted a big fire. But he, he threw his big bundle of sticks on the fire. And when he did, a viper that must have been cold and stretched out, hibernating or something, was picked up like a stick and, and dropped in there and came back to life, praise God. And it jumped out and it latched onto Paul's hand. And them sinner boys that were with him, they said, aha, this man's a murderer. And he escaped death in the sea, but the gods, they've taken care of it, and this viper's gotten him. You know what? They were probably right. Because he had people put to death. It just got real quiet. But there was a reminder of what was behind. That viper came out of the fire. They began to talk about this thing's a murderer. And he could have gone and sat down with his head hanging low, waiting to die. But the Bible said he just shook it off into the fire. And there was no effect on him from the viper. That reminder of the past came up. But he shook the viper off and just kept going. Because he still was remembering that one thing. I'm forgetting those things and I'm pressing forward. That old enemy can come and he can latch himself onto you and that viper can grab your hand and remind you of your past. But shake it off. Shake off that viper and make up your mind. I'm going to press forward. I'm telling you, that old nasty enemy we've got, uh, he loves to remind you of your past, uh, but remind him that it's been covered by the blood. Remind him that it's been blotted out, uh, that your record's clean. It's been washed uh, in the power of the blood. We can't afford to live in the past. We can't afford to house constantly have the past 
that's rolling through our mind. But we got to shake that viper off and make up our mind once and for all that I'll just press forward. They can talk if they want to. They can say whatever they want to about me. I'm just going to press on. Forgetting the things, forgetting those things which are behind. Covered, covered, covered by the blood. Covered by the blood. Covered by the blood. That record was blotted out. It's been covered by the blood. And he said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. Amen. That old death angel, when he sees the blood and that raw, he can't see the record no more because it's blotted out. It's blotted out. It's gone forever because that blood was applied. I understand preaching of the blood is unpopular among some society, but I'm telling you it's still vital to be saved. It's still a vital doctrine of the apostolic church. You can't be saved without the application of the blood of Jesus Christ. There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. It has never and will never lose its power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can be seated. The blood. Yeah. It's blotted that record out. And while the enemy likes to come and remind you, and it's almost, I would say it's pretty much impossible for us to always, you know, to totally forget. Okay, we remember, I remember the things, my failures. We remember that. I want to tell you something, we just got to remember also that it's been covered by the blood. And that if I came to that altar and I repented, and I truly repented. And I was baptized in his name. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. That I can be reminded of those sins. If, they, if the devil wants to come remind me, that's fine. And if I remember it, you know, so be it. But I also have to remember that that record has been washed away. I feel a little something right here. Let me tell you something. If you've come and repented, you don't have to come keep repenting over the same thing. Oh, you don't believe that. You don't have to keep repenting over and over again when he's already forgiven you. And that record's been blotted out by the blood. Put your faith in God and have faith that if he said that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from unrighteousness, then it's been done. Yes, sir. 
If you've repented, then he has forgiven you and he cleansed you. You don't have to keep beating yourself up, but it's time to pick yourself up and press forward. I'm telling you, that's a big old trick of the enemy. He keep beating you up with your past. <coughs> Beat you up with your failures. Beat you up with your weaknesses. Constantly reminded. Constantly bringing it to your memory. But I'm telling you, you better pray that God, you blotted out. You forgave me. Help me to get up and to press on. Bible doesn't help. I don't see anywhere where we have to repent multiple times for the same thing. Yeah, we have to live a lifestyle of repentance if we mess up. But let me tell you something. If there's one big old thing in your life and you keep bringing it to the altar and repenting. If you've come up here and you repented and the next service you come back and do it again. And the next service, you come back and do it again. Let me tell you something. You've got to leave it on the altar. And you've got to turn around and walk away from it. You've got to bring it up here. You lay it on the altar and you leave it there. And you get up and walk away realizing that he has forgiven you. And he's cleansed you. You don't have to pick it back up and take it home with you again because he forgave you right there. I'm telling you, the devil has tricked us into thinking that we got to keep coming back over the same failure. And that is a trick of the devil to keep you from having the victory that God wants to give you. Forgetting the things that are behind. You better not forget to repent. But once you've repented, forget about it and press forward. Ain't none of this even in my notes, but I'm feeling just a little something right here. I'm telling you, we are living in the last days. I believe that the Lord is going to return soon for his church. And we cannot afford to walk around with our head hanging down because of a failure from 10 years ago. That God forgave you of 10 years ago. But somehow, you got to bring it up here. Lay it on this altar and leave it. Have faith that he's forgiven you and he has lifted that off and he's blotted it out and he's covered it with his blood. And leave it buried in the blood. Don't keep pulling it out from under the blood. 
Don't keep pulling it out from under the blood. But leave it there. Leave it there. And get up and walk and press forward, forgetting the things that are behind. That old viper may leap out, and they may be yapping their jaws a little bit. But I've got my eyes focused. I've got my mind made up. And I'm just going to press. I'm going to press. I'm going to press through their talking. I'm going to press through his reminder. Because I know it's been covered by the blood. There's victory to be had in this house tonight. If I get nowhere near my message, I can finish it another time, I guess. But I want to tell you something. If you're going to come repent, then leave it. Then leave it. Carry that burden to the altar. It's where you need to bring it. It's where you need to bring it. If you've sinned and you've got sin in your life, this whole altar is where you need to bring it to. That place of death where we die out, where we crucify the flesh. We come up to this altar and we, I'm telling you, we repent and we leave it there. Because when we repent, we've humbled ourselves, we're praying, we're repenting. We turn from our wicked ways and we leave it there. No one has been covered by the blood. And we press forward. We press forward. You know, in the ancient days of war, I say ancient, it's ancient to me, Civil War area, you know, that's not ancient in some civilizations, but in ours it kind of is. You go to that era, Revolutionary War, man, they fought in a different way than we do nowadays. You know, even in Vietnam, they fought different than they did in World War II. And they fight different now than they did back then. But one thing that they like to do is in a battle, especially back in them days when they were going up and lining up in their lines and walking at each other right into the face of the cannons and the guns and in formation. They would find themselves an observation point. These commanders would. And they would look down on the battlefield so they could see where their weaknesses and their advantages were. And if there was a break in the line and they saw that there was a line breaking and they saw victory, they would take their backup forces and throw it into that breach to press the advantage. To press the advantage. And you know, a lot of them old time, I was trying to do a little studying on it today. Them old time battles, them old Greeks, and man, they'd get that shield and they would go into battle. And man, they would hit shield to shield and start pushing. They had a, the, the Romans, they did it as a wedge. They had one guy in the front and they'd back up behind him and they'd try to hit that one spear point and just try to force the line apart. But it took physical strength. An amazing amount of physical strength and pushing and exertion and effort trying to fight their way through 
And if they backed off, if they relaxed, then they got pushed back. Don't go to sleep on me because I slowed down a little bit. But they had to push and press if they were going to find victory. They had to press their way through the enemy to find victory. There were many battles that were lost because of a timid commander who was scared to exploit the advantage that he saw. And he saw the line begin to break. But he said, well, I'm just going to wait this a little bit longer, see if it breaks a little bit more. Because if I commit this force, and maybe something over here is not going quite right, if I commit them, these people could roll around, and then I'm in trouble. So I'll just hold them here. I know there's a little advantage there, but we're just gonna, and they would get timid. I'm going to tell you, especially in the Civil War, there was a lot of U.S. commanders that lost battles because they were too scared to commit their forces. And the Confederate forces won a lot of battles because they had some bold men that were willing to take some extreme chances because they saw a little window of opportunity. They had men like old Jackson who would get them and he'd march them for 20 miles all night long going a big old circle to hit them where they weren't expecting him to be. Because they saw a little advantage and so they pressed the advantage. We, the, US, the, 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 the Union finally won because they finally put a commander in there who was willing to put some forces in and, and commit himself to the battle. They called him a butcher because so many people died because of U.S. Grant. But I want to tell you something. He brought him to victory because he wasn't willing to pass up an advantage and an opportunity for victory. And I'm telling you something. There's a little breach right now on the enemy's wall. And I'm telling you it's going to take somebody with some determination that it's time to press forward. It's time to press right into that advantage and take advantage of this opportunity. I'm telling you what, we lose a lot of revival and a lot of momentum because of some timidity and some fear. But it's time to get bold. It's time to get bold and take advantage of the opportunity God has presented us. It's not time to sit back and see what happens, but it's time to press. It's time to push. It's time to press the advantage. Several years ago in the, I don't remember which year it was. I just remember seeing this picture and hearing the story. But Lance Armstrong, hey man, I know he, he was cheating, okay? I gather, I, I get that, okay? But man, folks jumped on the bandwagon and what was it, live strong or something like that was his motto. Or, but anyway, so the Tour de France, he was, of course, a great bicyclist. Thanks to his doping. But one time they were in the mountain stages where he, where he excelled. And he was not leading the race. 
It was another man that was leading the race. But in the course of that mountain run, Lance Armstrong passed him going up this mountain. And the pictures were impressive. Because as he came by that guy, and he's on his bike, and he's pedaling, and as he comes, he looks over at him. And he turns all the way, and he watches him right in the eyes as he goes by. And they were all proclaiming all that arrogant jerk and this arrogant guy. And, but he said, I was looking to see if there was any fight left in him. I was looking to see if there was anything left there or if he had given up. And he pressed his advantage to another victory. And I want to tell you something, there's no enemy. And he's looking in your eyes to see if there's any fight. He's looking in your eyes to see if there's any fight left. He's looking right in your eyes. Is there any fight left in you? Is there any fight left? Is there any fight? Is there any struggle left? Is there any desire to press? Is there any desire to push? I'll tell you what, you better answer him with an emphatic yes. I may struggle sometimes, but I'm not willing to quit. I'm going to press forward. I'll press on. There ain't no quit in me. I might be slowing down just a little bit. I've got a little struggle, but I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting, but I'm fighting. I'm pushing. I'm pressing. There's a window of opportunity, and you better push your way in. You better press your way in right now. You've got to forget the things that are behind and reach forth out of those things that are before and press. You got to press. You got to press. You've got to press. What's he see when he looks in your eyes? What's he going to see? What's he going to see when he looks in your eyes, girls? What's he going to see? Is he going to see some fight? Is he going to see some fight? There's an advantage. There's a crumbling in the wall. But I'll tell you what, you better stick your foot in and fight. Oh, come on. Is there anybody in this place that's willing to step out tonight and say, listen, I may have struggled a little bit. I may have slipped up a little bit. I may not be where I wish I was, but I'm going to serve notice tonight. I'm going to serve notice tonight that I'm still in the fight, that I'm still pushing, I'm still pressing, I'm still fighting. 
I'm not backing up. I'm not turning around. I'm not giving up. There's no quit in me. But I'm going to press. 